Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the VersaBank Second Quarter Results Conference Call. I would now like to turn the call over to VersaBank for a brief introduction. Good morning. Uh, this morning, VersaBank issued a news release reporting its financial results for the second quarter ended April 30, 2020. That news release, along with the bank's financial statements, are available on the bank's website in the Investor Relations section. Please note that this quarter, VersaBank has begun webcasting its earnings conference calls over the Internet. The webcast is listen-only. If you are listening to the webcast but wish to ask a question in the Q&A section following Mr. Taylor's presentation, we ask you to please dial into the conference line, the details of which are included in this morning's news release and on the bank's website. For those participating in today's call by telephone, the accompanying slide presentation is available on the bank's website as well. Also, today's call will be archived for replay both by telephone and via the Internet beginning approximately one hour following completion of the call. Details on how to access the replays are available in this morning's news release. I would now like to remind you, our listeners, that statements about future events made on this call are forward-looking in nature and are based on certain assumptions and analysis made by VersaBank management. Actual, re actual results could differ materially from our expectations due to various material risks and uncertainties associated with VersaBank businesses. Please refer to VersaBank's forward-looking statement advisory, which is on slide two. I would now like to turn the call over to David Taylor, President and Chief Executive Officer of VersaBank. Please go ahead, Mr. Taylor. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. With me via teleconference is Sean Clark, Chief Financial Officer, Ali Lalani, Chief Risk Officer, and Brent Hodge, General Counsel, as we continue to practice social distancing uh, as we have done for more than two months now. For those that uh, are interested, I'm uh, broadcasting uh, from our Innovation Centre at, at London Airport, which other than birds flying, is, is uh, somewhat deserted today. In fact, VersaBank, with our branchless technology-based model and our small, efficient employee base, is ideally suited to effectively manage through the current environment. As we have since the beginning of the pandemic, we continue to work to ensure the safety and wellness of our employees, and substantially all of our bank staff are working remotely with virtually no operational issues. Supported by our recently implemented two-factor authentication virtual private network, providing the highest level of security. We are also continuing to strengthen and enhance our already robust risk management processes with specific focus on the prudent mitigation of potential elevated credit, liquidity risk, exposures. Our ongoing approach to risk mitigation had the bank very well positioned entering into this unprecedented economic environment an unprecedented time. 
We built VersaBank for stability and success in all economic environments. While no one expected the current situation, we were certainly prepared for it. Although it has been 90 days since our last call, the world and the macroeconomic situation outlook have changed considerably. Against this backdrop, there are several matters specifically related to VersaBank that I want to highlight at the outset, as I think it's absolutely vital for VersaBank shareholders and prospective investors to understand. First, with respect to point-of-sale financing portfolio, I want to be clear that we have extremely low exposure here. At first blush, one might think the portfolio is highly exposed to credit risk. However, consistent with our risk-averse approach to our entire banking operations, these loans and leases are structured such that each loan we hold back funds from our partners, such that these holdbacks are still more than three times in excess of their intrinsic risk. In addition, as I'll discuss in a moment, the bank has temporarily increased its cash balance and surplus regulatory capital for the near term. Turning to our results, the financial performance during Q2 continues to be the highlight versus bank and its efficient low-risk model as a standout in the Canadian banking and financial institution landscape. And I want to note at the outset that the bank's strong performance in Q2 was tempered by the cautious stance we took in the back half of the quarter as the pandemic and the impact on the broader economy began to take hold. I'm going to specifically call out revenue this quarter as it provides additional perspective on the performance before the higher provisions for credit losses, which we increased in Q2, out of an abundance of caution. I'll discuss this more in a moment. Revenue increased by 14% year-on-year to a record $14.9 million due to strong year-over-year growth in overall loan portfolio and yield held steady. Net interest margin for Q2 expanded 13 basis points year-on-year to one of the highest in our history, 3.08%, up from 2.95%, which continues to be the highest amongst our peer group. Again, I will note that net interest margin in Q2 this year was dampened by our conservatism, most notably our decision to increase our cash balance in the back half of the quarter. For perspective, at normal cash levels in our historical range of 6 to 7%, net interest margin would have been in the area of 3.5%. The strong year-over-year improvement even with the higher cash balances, was driven primarily by low cost of funds, which declined to 1.75%. Net income increased 5% year-over-year to $5.1 million, or $0.22 cents per share, from $4.9 million, or $0.21 cents per share. And core cash earnings, or CCE, also increased 5% to $7.1 million, or $0.34 cents per share. Recall that by not paying cash taxes, VersaBank is building regulatory capital about 27% faster than those banks that are paying cash taxes. As I noted a moment ago, as expected, out of an abundance of caution, 
the bank increased its provision for credit losses this quarter by an additional $490,000, which dampened both net income and CCE. As I will discuss in a moment, despite the increase, VersaBank still leads the industry with respect and, in fact, has no doubt significantly widened the gap over the large Schedule One banks based on Q2 results we are seeing. In terms of key balance sheet metrics and capital ratios, our financial position at the end of Q2 continues to reflect the financial strength and stability of the bank. At VersaBank, risk management is in our DNA. It is fundamentally built into our model and is an overriding consideration in every decision we make. Accordingly, as we saw the COVID-19 pandemic begin to impact the broader economy and financial market, and before knowing how the Bank of Canada would proceed, again, on an abundance of caution, especially with the hindsight of 2007, we made the prudent decision to temporarily increase our cash balances for the near term to add an additional layer of liquidity during these unprecedented times. Our cash balance at the end of the second quarter, 2020, was $340 million, or about 17% of average assets, up from the bank's historical range of 6 to 7% of average assets. We have since increased this such that our cash balance currently sits at approximately $420 million, and at the end of the second quarter, 2020, the bank had more than $80 million in surplus and regulatory capital over Basel III minimums. It looks now, though, we may have been somewhat overly cautious through this period. However, this small short-term impact is easily justified by the need for prudence, and importantly, we have now have the capacity to advantageously deploy capital to a number of potential opportunities we see VersaBank emerging out of the current environment. As I mentioned, in the current uncertain economic environment, we have taken an even more cautious stance than typical for our risk-averse bank. In fact, we've often heard that we don't take on enough risk. But even pre the COVID-19 pandemic, we have been already reducing our project financing loans as the market seemed to be topping out and we made the conscious decision to increase our cash reserves. Diving a little deeper into the bank's increased credit provisions, at the end of the second quarter, those watching the broader industry will have seen and will continue to see over the next few days enormous increases in loss provisions by our peer group, and especially the large banks. However, because of our low-risk model, our provisions at the end of Q2 are just 15 basis points of average loans. And as a reminder, our access to very low-cost funding, including insolvency deposits at their current rate of zero, enables us to generate the highest net interest margin in our peer group while mitigating risk through lower-risk lending. You can see in this graph that VersaBank's provisions as a proportion of average loans at the end of Q2, even at the highest level in our history, are still less than half that of the big bank's average even before their significant increases in Q2. With a history of no loan losses, we believe we have been very conservative with our provisions 
and I want to specifically note here that we have not taken any loss provisions for our point of sale financing portfolio, which we previously referred to as e-commerce. As a reminder, our point of sale business provides access to capital and proprietary technology for financing companies who support big ticket consumer purchases, such as hot tubs, cosmetic surgery, motorcycles, etc. As I mentioned earlier, we structure these loans such that we hold back a portion of the payment for these loans in cash that essentially provides insurance should the consumer default on the loans. In addition, in our construction lending portfolio, which is mainly composed of loans to build apartment blocks, the majority of these projects are nearing completion, which significantly limits risk. As I mentioned earlier, our strong performance in Q2 was in part driven by our continued reduction of our cost of funds, which declined to 1.75%. To a large degree, the result of the higher proportion of zero interest insolvency professional deposits and nearly zero interest point of sale holdbacks. We're also benefiting from the lower cost GIC environment. Importantly, in the context of the current and expected economic business environment, we expect to see our cost of funds to further decline over the quarters to come as the proportion of deposits from insolvency professionals increases due to, uh, unfortunately, higher bankruptcies. On the lending side of our business, our total portfolio expanded to $1.9 billion in assets, up from $1.7 billion at the end of Q2 last year. That $1.9 billion breaks down to just shy of $1 billion for our point-of-sale loans and leases, around $620 million for our commercial banking portfolio, which itself is composed of about $257 million in commercial mortgages and $363 million in project financing and other loans. And finally, the $340 million in cash. As a side note, we are now using the name point of sale here as we think it is more reflective of the portfolio itself, and also to augment our concerted effort to simplify our story for the investment community, because we think it's a good story. As I noted earlier, the point-of-sale portfolio is very well insulated from credit risk. While this portfolio has experienced excellent momentum over the past five years or so, not surprisingly, we do expect to see some contraction in the coming quarters as loan origination has come to a near standstill during the pandemic lockdown. While we can't predict when consumers will start buying again, we are optimistic that the rebound will reflect pent-up demand, especially given that the bulk of job losses thus far appear to have impacted lower wage earners. In our commercial banking portfolio, as I have discussed for a number of quarters now, we have been letting our construction loan portfolio run off somewhat as we became more cautious in what was becoming an overheated real estate climate. That said, we are now pivoting back to opportunities in the public sector where we believe there will be strong demand as governments undertake stimulus projects 
and grapple with lots of tax revenues. We have started actively pursuing these opportunities and in fact have a long track record of success and performance in this area of lending. Not surprisingly, because of their government ties, these are low-risk-weighted loans that due to our low-cost of funding model, we can turn to and still generate strong net interest margins. In addition, with the best leverage ratio amongst Canadian Schedule One banks, we have a lending capacity of more than $2 billion to put to work in these types of loans. With the objective to lend to end fiscal 2020 with an overall loan portfolio approximately equal to or potentially larger than that at the end of 2019. Before I open the call to questions, I want to spend a few minutes on our overall risk mitigation strategy because it's core part of what we consider to be our value proposition as a publicly traded bank. We look at risk in mainly three different ways, credit risk, liquidity risk, and operational risk. I talked earlier about our credit risk mitigation, and we feel good about where we are right now. Again, credit provisions we have taken this quarter, although substantially up, are still by far the lowest in our industry. On operational risk, if the pandemic has proven anything to us, it's that our highly efficient branchless technology-based model, which requires very small headcount, is more than up for such a formidable challenge. Finally, liquidity risk. We're always conservative here and are being even more prudent in the current environment. We continue to have access to a vast supply of low-cost funds, and our liquidity ratio currently stands at 20%. Before I wrap things up, just a quick note on our DRT cyber. Beyond the economic consequences this global pandemic has had a broader and deeper impact on the way they work and interact socially, it has precipitated a step function change across the spectrum of online activities and behaviors that were already gradually evolving. Clearly, security is the very center of all this, and the last several months have highlighted its fundamental importance, the significant room for improvement and the many opportunities it presents. Importantly for VersaBank, we believe this is a very positive implications for DOT Cyber subsidiary overall and specifically for VersaVault, as well as some of the additional offerings we are working on and getting close to launching. To conclude, we entered Q2 of 2020 with significant momentum in our business. Although COVID-19 pandemic and the bank's additional caution in this environment will dampen growth in the second half of the year, we remain well positioned to capitalize on opportunities presented by the new economic climate and expect to return to our trajectory of earnings growth. We believe the current environment presents more opportunity than it does challenges or risks. Accordingly, our growth strategy remains very much intact. And let's continue to lower our cost of funds to support industry's leading margin and continue to pursue long-term growth with near-term transition back to our previous success in the public sector project financing 
as we look forward to the resumption of point-of-sale loan and lease origination. We also look forward to the launch of Direct Connect application for home and condo builders and sales agents, which entered beta testing this past quarter. While the pandemic has not surprisingly paused the, this process, this is a long-term opportunity for the bank that builds on the success of the point-of-sale business, allowing us to enter the residential mortgage sector in a profitable way with a high-value-add offering for the industry, another unmet need that we are addressing. Importantly, we have significantly significant capacity, more than $2 billion at the ready to capitalize on our near-term and long-term opportunities. Finally, we will continue to explore acquisition opportunities to generate step function growth in our loan portfolio and with the challenges created by the current environment for many of our peers, we certainly think there is more opportunity and more value than there was just a few months ago. And with that, I'd like to open up the call to questions. Operator? Thank you. Yes, thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your hands up before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on the telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. And our first question is from Stephen Bullitt. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine, Steve. Okay, great. Dave, could you, could you go back to the, the point-of-sale loan, or it used to be the e-commerce? Um, I guess I'm surprised that, uh, you know, that, that that portfolio is still performing really well. And, and just in terms of what uh, – maybe two parts. The first is what, you know, what impact – because it is consumer purchases, what's your outlook for, for the next couple quarters? And then maybe <clears throat> you mentioned that the loans have like a, are a surplus portion. Um, I presume that that really, that surplus really depends on the maturity of the loan. So as the loan matures, you put the surplus up and eventually the loan turns into a, a like a, 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 you have a positive surplus. Um, well, I guess it would be a surplus. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the maturity of the loan matter in terms of the size of the surplus. Is there a point where the, that surplus runs out? Well, good question, Steve, as always. Yeah, we've, re we've renamed uh, uh, publicly that portfolio point of sale because that's what it is. They're, they're loans that are made at the point of sale. For the most part, they're consumer loans, as I mentioned with the various uh, – categories, motorcycles, laptops, and such. And, and there's a, a portion that are also um, uh, to, small, to small businesses. And uh, yes, indeed, um, that portfolio would have been uh, hit fairly hard by the uh, pandemic. And um, the, what I call the intrinsic risk in it, the uh, uh, propensity for, for default, uh, say would have gone up from uh, – an average of about eight eight million or so in the the billion dollar portfolio to closer to thirty million or so in in the portfolio. So it's uh, like a huge increase in um, in propensity to uh, to default. However, we hold back um, 
at the time of purchase of these loans uh, in total about $100 million. Uh, so when I say we have about three times um, the intrinsic uh, uh, risk in the portfolio, I meant we've held back so much additional cash collateral that it's able to absorb the, um, no doubt, increase in defaults that will, will take place in the portfolio. Three times uh, is, a, is, a, is a lot. So um, one sec, I'm just going to uh, stop that. Uh, now, with respect to the maturity on the, the portfolio, they are of short duration, but most – well, these guys won't quit, Steve. Let's uh, – uh, yeah, there are short duration. In fact, most of our portfolio is short duration. Or it's about 1.5 years assets, 1.5 years liabilities. So that is a significant risk mitigator in that they pay off rather rapidly. When you're when you're calculating your uh, your ECLs, uh, but um, we take the the uh, cash collateral up front when we buy the loan. So if anything, as the, as the loans start to pay down, the cash collateral becomes goes higher and higher. And then we we have a mechanism in some cases where we release some of the cash back to the the vendor of the loan. Okay, and, and maybe you could just. Like the not so much on the credit side, but the origination side, there must be a, a slowdown since you know there is a portion. Well, they're, they're consumer loans, but portions of those have been impacted, right? Certain sectors oh, more than others. Absolutely, it's been a huge slowdown. It's just down to a trickle. Um, okay. uh, you know, the, the lockdown has pretty well uh, uh, stopped uh, point of sale uh, financing and purchases. Um, now, mind you, we're Somewhat optimistic, there'll be, as I was saying, there'll be a bit of pent-up demand coming, and it'll it'll come back. I don't expect too quickly, um, but towards the end of the year, the fiscal year, we we'll probably see uh, uh, you know, a fair percentage come back. But right, yeah, right now it's down to it's just a dwindle of uh, of deals we're seeing. Okay, and I guess that would be since. Um well, I guess it would be mostly April, May, and then uh, we'll see what happens this year. Um, so we should expect a, a large decline in revenue, uh, like going forward. Uh, from that portfolio, yes, going forward. Um, okay. We have on the other side uh, of the lending, Ross Duggan's uh, commercial banking side, sort of thing. We've pivoted into um, uh, public sector project financing, and that's where. No, you're familiar. That's where we uh, we started, actually, mainly in small communities throughout the north. And uh, uh, we're we're back at it again, uh, and we're hoping um, that we'll be able to make up uh, some of the lack of uh, lending in in the uh, point of sale business uh, with some uh, public sector uh, drawdowns. Mind you, that'll probably take a few months too. Is there something changed in in that? Uh, is it? I mean, the yields, if I remember, the yields got really thin in that business and it was really competitive. Is it is it due just to the overall government stimulus, something that's happened there that, that's made the business more attractive? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we expect that uh, governments, uh, small and large, will, uh, will take on uh, projects. I think they should. That's a good way to put people back to work. And we stand ready, of course, as we have in the past, to provide the, uh, the financing. Uh, the thing that's changed 
is that our cost of funds is, is got getting lower and lower um, because of the operational accounts that we're, uh, we're issuing. Um, so the proportion of deposits that we receive, say, from the uh, insolvency professionals will likely grow higher and higher. Uh, it's a good counterbalance to, um, to the lack of revenue in the, uh, the other portfolios in that uh, what, what is, is terrible for others in the lending side uh, brings to us uh, and a bonus in that it supplies us with uh, a lot more and, and presently zero-cost deposits. So while our cost of funds is descending, it, it means that we can, we can finance public sector projects and still earn quite a large margin. And as you know, uh, some of them are, well, most of them are 20% risk-weighted. So, um, you know, theoretically, we get five times the uh, return on uh, risk-weighted uh, capital with a loan like that. So, yeah, it's opening up. The two drivers, I expect to be a big demand for project financing in the public sector area, and uh, our cost of funds is uh, getting to record lows. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks, Thanks guys. Steve? Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad if you have a question. And we have a question from Ryan Smith. Please go ahead. Well, hi. Uh, first, another fantastic job, and uh, I really like the fact that uh, you did exactly what you said you were going to do on the last call, and you performed extremely well. So congratulations to your team. Um, yeah, now, one of the um, things that uh, – Curious to me is that um, your investment in the Versa Vault. Um, you said you've commercialized it, but you have had you had any beta trials? Is there do you have a pipeline of potential sales? Uh, since that seems to be a, a focus, uh, is to try to build out the, the business uh, uh, technology by selling the technology to, to others rather than you know enhancing your own uh, uh, bank's uh, capacity to, to do banking. Yeah, beta testing took place a few years ago. Uh, it's up and running, and we leased it, the Versault technology, out to a financial company in Europe called uh, Chairman's, Chairman's Financial. And uh, they have acquired uh, a number of customers. Uh, so we, it is working, it is functioning, uh, and um, it is providing revenue uh, to our subsidiary, DRT Cyber. Not a lot of revenue. Um, there's been a fair amount of caution uh, in the uh, – uh, it, it's mainly uh, uh, used by the cryptocurrency exchanges, so there's a fair amount of caution in that area. But most recently, I noted that one of the large uh, U.S. banks um, has uh, opened up accounts for crypto, the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world and um, has a similar uh, a similar um, safekeeping as our, as our vault. We, frankly, we don't think it's as good. Uh, so, so we see a market opening up. Um, it, there, are, there is use uh, as a bank uh, for a, a digital vault to keep high-value uh, assets safe and secure, and our vault will do that, although we haven't seen a lot of demand for it um, in Canada. In the United States, there seems to be um, a lot more demand, uh, so we're exploring uh, the U.S. market with the Versa Vault. Uh, and as I was saying earlier, we've got a number of other software projects in DRT Cyber that we'll be uh, launching. They're, they're projects that uh, we do for our bank, 
and um, we think they have applicable applicability all, all across the world. That's what I'm thinking of as a cloud-based uh, application that uh, our bank uh, certainly will be using, and um, hopefully, hopefully others will too. Oh, okay. I have a uh, another question, if possible. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, in, in terms of, um, I guess, a potential acquisition, um, are you would you be looking at a technology platform like the VersaVault, or would you be looking at some way to increase the scale of the banking business? Um, um, and um, if a banking business um, is it somehow a bank that's inefficiently using technology, uh, I, 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 yeah. So is it a portfolio? What exactly um, do you see yourself scaling? Um, so, well, first and foremost, uh, we would be delighted to acquire um, uh, other banks, maybe smaller banks, or that haven't quite got to the efficiency levels that uh, our technology allows us to get to. So we believe there's uh, there's a few out there that are uh, below their uh, their efficient sizes and don't have our, our access to cheap funding and and our, te our technology advantage. So that, that would be ideal in that we have a lot of capacity and um, we'd like to put, bring it to bear and uh, uh, and grow our, uh, our portfolio uh, more rapidly than um, than it looks like we're going to be able to grow it uh, uh, organically for the next while. So first and foremost, uh, other other financial institutions operating in Canada that may may think uh, it's better to sell themselves than to uh, to keep on with a suboptimal uh, operation. And and in the technology side, there are a few um, technology firms that. Seem like they'd be nice tuck-ins to the um, DRT cyber suite of uh, cybersecurity products. We are looking at some, uh, but uh, nothing, nothing right right yet. Okay, so it's, it's more the former then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's the former. That's uh, you know, if you have a look at our ratios, we've, we've got a lot of surplus capital. And, oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah. Otherwise, I'd be asking you about buybacks, but I have um, you've proven yourself to be such great operators that I I really want you guys to deploy capital, even if the market doesn't recognize it now. Well, it, you know, if uh, if uh, the regulator hadn't made the the uh, nationwide decree uh, to no buybacks, I'd certainly be buying back shares. Even just a small amount, we have uh, you know so much capital, uh, and at five dollars and fifty cents a share, my goodness, uh, how can you go wrong, right? Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's um, extremely mis mispriced. Uh, so, yeah, it must be, um, I guess, frustrating. And uh, but I assume there's some sort of um, well, I've noticed the insiders have, have stopped by, so there, I assume there's some sort of acquisition issue going on. That's why. But uh, you, you obviously can't comment on that. So. No, we can't. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess I'm in a. Uh, enviable position as being in the dark, but able to buy. So, but yes, it's uh, quite amazing what you've done with the, uh, you know, this uh, technology in the bank and uh, the other banks are, as you say, are reporting enormous uh, loan losses. So, anyways, keep up the great work. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, just on, on there's looking at our our big bank partners. Um, 
Well, they they were directly exposed to the consumer and small business market, and, and we are, you know, we we have the uh, holdbacks to protect us. So that's what you'd expect. Uh, they have they have great years, and every so often something like this comes along, and they they take larger provisions. That's just their model. Uh, you know, ours is different because we're so small, so we 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 manage ourselves so we 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 won't be subject to uh, to large losses and provisions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, good luck deploying the the capital that you have, and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you for again having an excellent presentation as well. Well, thank you, Ryan. Usually I'm not this complimentary so to companies, but uh, you, you guys are, are are ones that I tell our, my students to to look at. Okay. Hopefully it continues that way. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time. I would like to turn the meeting over back to you, Mr. Taylor. Well, thank you, uh, everybody, for uh, for dialing in and listening. And um, as we were saying earlier, uh, this information will be available on our website if you if you want uh, some further detail. And uh, please feel free uh, to send me an email if you have another question that uh, you think of, of later. And I look forward to uh, catching up with you at the end of uh, August. Thank you. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.